Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's bi-weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. In this week's episode, we will go over the news of the week and talk about uh, a restaurant of the week. For that, I am joined by my co-host this week. He is a co-founder of the Houston Barbecue Festival and a Houston hospitality veteran. Michael Fulmer, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm outstanding. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Let's dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, New York Times published a list recently of the 20 best Texas barbecue restaurants from the new generation. Five Houston spots made the list. They are Ray's Real Pit Barbecue, Gatlin's Barbecue, Truth Barbecue, Blood Brothers Barbecue, and Brisket and Rice. Michael, I want to I talk about this in a little bit of depth. I mean, first of all, this is kind of an unusual construction. That's It's not saying that they are the absolute best, uh, 20 best Texas barbecue joints. They're, they're looking for something a little bit different, right? The the places that are incorporating, that, that are breaking from kind of traditional central Texas barbecue in some way, whether that's by nodding to African-American cooking traditions or, you know, Mexican cooking traditions or Asian cooking traditions, and that they all kind of have this, uh, they're all kind of post-Franklin uh, barbecue, right? That's That's really what changed Texas barbecue forever back in the, uh, the late aughts. So I sell that to say to you, uh, what do you think about this list overall? And then we can talk about, uh, the, the Houston representatives. Well, I, I, I think it's a really good article. One, they're not trying to compete with Texas monthly or become yet another listicle of like, what's the best and by ranking it. And I think they make some interesting points about, where barbecue is now, where it's been and where it's going, you know, in the limited space that they have. So it's not about just like, well, what's different and what's out there, although that's part of it, because it's really we're really seeing really dynamic growth uh, in the Texas barbecue scene in Texas and elsewhere, of course. Um, You know, and like I said, limited by space. But so they make some really interesting points in terms of that. A lot of these places are still really they're embracing the Texas Trinity. You know, uh, brisket, beef sausage, pork ribs. Uh, most of these places on the list do all that, but they all do something a little bit different. That's 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 their personality, and that there's room for that growth, uh, and that the public, you know, the dining public is embracing that. These places are you know succeeding, thriving, changing, uh, and we're all better for it. I mean, I agree with all that. I mean, I I think you know it's. Part of what has been so fun about the world of Texas barbecue, especially in the last five years or so, is that it's not just, you know, the German meat market style, you know, the traditional salt and pepper seasoning, that it that it has become this kind of canvas for people to incorporate their their various culinary traditions into it and kind of put their spin on it, whether that's, you know, something as as fundamental and simple as like a brisket taco, right? Like Valentina's. Tex-Mex Barbecue uh, did that. They kind of became famous for that. And that's obviously spread and they're, they're on the list to, you know, what you have it at Blood Brothers where it's, you know, gojujang ribs and chasu beef belly and, and all the other stuff that they're doing. So, no, I, I mean, you know, my, I mean, my attitude is kind of the more the merrier and that, you know, I think these are, these are some of the restaurants that have been uh, really prominent in that movement. I mean, what do you, what do you kind of make of of the the five Houston restaurants to to make this list? And because because uh, there was one that kind of jumped out at me that's maybe 
I was surprised not to see it given the given the company. Well, you're you're going to be limited by you can't just include everybody. Um, I mean, you are limited. Like, and there are some omissions that you could have easily substituted other places on the whole list, not just in Houston, but in other areas. Um, I thought they made a great cross section uh, of choices. Blood Brothers is almost an, an obvious choice in in that you know they honor the the Texas Trinity tradition, but their their real passion for experimenting for R and D, you know, for trying different things, and some of them hit, and some of them don't. You know, someone recently asked me they were you know about about going there and about going to different places, and what should they order? And I'm always like. Try the specials. You know what? What are they? What are they doing today? You know what are they doing that day? Give it a whirl. Brisket and rice was a little bit of a surprise because they're such a small and new operation. Uh, and right. I, let me let me just say I have never been to brisket and rice, and I I sort of know that it exists, but it, it has not been on my radar as something that I felt compelled to check out. Well, I haven't been there, but I've had their barbecue. All right. I had it. I was actually right nearby and someone brought it to me. I, I really enjoyed it. I really liked the rice. Uh, hopefully they'll be around a little bit longer and then we'll see what happens with them. But uh, yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. I was happy to see Ray's uh, barbecue on Old Spanish Trail get put on there because there's this wonderful East Texas tradition that sometimes gets overlooked and places like, you know, Gatlin's incorporates it really nicely. The, what they're doing with having dirty rice and their collard greens and what Ray's does with their house-made sausage, their catfish that they do on weekends, you know, is great. And there's, you know, those places deserve to have a certain focus on them also. So, you know, it's, it's daunting to talk about Texas barbecue as a whole, because there's so many moving parts. There's so much tradition and it is dynamic. Um, but I, I thought Brett Anderson did a pretty good job, you know, considering the space. I mean, he could have, this article could have gone on for, for pages more, but, uh, I thought he covered a lot of ground, uh, in a very concise and, uh, informative manner. Yeah. I mean, the, the only Houston restaurant that, that I thought, you know, is incorporating the global flavors and has that culinary perspective of having, you know, professional chefs who didn't necessarily start out at barbecue, but, but developed a love for it, uh, the, is Fijis, right? Fijis barbecue in spring branch, right? Cause Patrick worked at Brennan's and underbelly and Aaron worked in, in New York and, and locally. And, and, you know, they're both chefs and they do all those, you know, the Korean braised greens, the Moroccan carrots, the, the chana masala, the, you know, they've, they've always been really kind of aggressive about trying to include all of those different traditions in the, into what they do in both their meat and their sides. And so that was the one that, that I was like, that seemed like it should have been a fit for the list. And, and, you know, I, I can sort of understand, you know, from Brett Anderson's perspective or the New York times perspective, like maybe not, maybe wanting to go sort of beyond an obvious name like that, but uh, it did, it did strike me as a, a notable omission. Oh, it could have, they could have easily been included. I mean, he, Patrick was really the first one to bring whole hog to Houston. Um, you know, the sides that Aaron does are just wonderful. They're dynamic. And you can actually eat healthy there. You know, their inclusion of doing things like Alabama White Sauce. It's like you said, embracing other traditions, but not like dilettantes. I mean, they really, they do their homework and they, and they get it done. Uh, so they could have easily been included. When I look at the rest of the list, there's there's tons of places that also could have been included. You know, Zavala's and Grand Prairie, you know, what they do with, 
with their Hispanic heritage, you know, the tacos there, Cadillac and their whole Waigu program is insane, you know. Uh, Brotherton's in Pflugerville, their sandwich game is like some of the best, not just in Texas, but in the country. I mean, it's really fantastic. Uh, you think about Mimsy's, Mimsy's Craft up in Crockett and how they really kind of do everything by scratch there. And they're just in the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of places that could have been included. And so I think they've made some good choices, but he also had to make some tough ones and, and leave some off. And, you know, that that begs the question, you know, or, or let's say, hey, let's let the diners start to expand more and see what else is out there. But to shine a light on some of these, you know, in some cases, burgeoning places uh, that are smaller is, is kind of a, a, a wonderful thing. You know, Eva Mays has, you know, which they included, has this great, they just have a great tradition. They're wonderful people south of Lubbock. They do a lot of festivals. They travel a lot. Distant relatives in Austin with the African-American base has gotten a lot of press and, you know, and rightfully so. And then you think about like way out west, you know, and Convenience West and Marfa. They're not open every day and they're somewhat seasonal. But, you know, they come out and they do events out in the rest of the part. And I, I've had their stuff and it's, it's fantastic. I, I think it's just interesting that, like I said, part of what I like about it is that he does talk about some of the traditions, but then you see where it's, where it's going. And um, there's still a lot of room for growth. You know, uh, the idea of cooking and smoking and, and what the barbecue traditions are is certainly not limited to Texas or limited to this country. And we're starting to see a lot of those cultures and regions uh, uh, to really start to, I guess, reflect themselves in Texas barbecue. And that's really exciting. I think that's all very well said. I, you know, I, I do think this is kind of a useful guide. It kind of gives you the the lay of the land. Obviously, Brett Anderson is a very accomplished award-winning food writer. So he certainly brings credibility, but, but yeah, you know, I think, I think anytime a list like this comes out, it's always kind of fun to, to break it down and sort of, you know, what do you get right? What did he, what did he miss out on? Oh, I, I always, th- that's always fun for me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, part of what lists do. And then, you know, it is the Texas birthright. You know, once you've been here a couple of years, you know, uh, to defend your barbecue choices and that discussion. I mean, I just had lunch with a friend who was uh, overhearing a conversation at a restaurant where the waitress was referring out of towners from Canada to go to to go to Loro and Good Company as like just as the classic Texas barbecue experience, <laughs> you know, and he snickered and had a little chat with them afterwards, you know, um, and that just kind of reflects like we know that people really will always embrace what they grew up with. Like, you know, if you grew up with Good Company and that has that familial, you know, nostalgic aspect, then you'll go for that. There's also the you know, there's also that gestalt, the experience of it, the environment, you know, good company when you're out on those picnic tables and all that hardwood, you can smell the smoker, you know, that that speaks like, you know, Salt Lick has one of the, in Driftwood, has one of the greatest environments for eating barbecue anywhere, you know, with yeah, that but, big. But some of the worst like, barbecue, right? Like, yeah, you know, it's, you, it's, it's, it's you never, gotta, it's never going to make the top 50, you know, they par cook it, you know, there's, there's gas assist, there's all that stuff. You but can say, you that, can just say it, it's bad, just say it, it's bad. It's nah, bad. Yeah, People but, like but, you. You're going. You're going because it looks cool. Because it looks like a movie set of what you think a barbecue restaurant should be like. Well, but, well it, it's but it's more than that. It's more than just the surface of it. There really, it really is a beautiful environment. You can bring your own cooler in, have your own drinks. You've got that big open pit, and it's serviceable. Okay, you know, it's not. There are some places I've been to that you know, like my God, I would never go there again. And if I hear anyone talk about it, I, I, I 
sometimes interject in a conversation in a most inappropriate manner. Uh, but it does have that great environment. You know, snows in some ways is the ultimate, you know, and then when you have snows and Louis Mueller right there, I mean, that's like the quintessential experience. You know, you can just you can smell the history, you know, and it's just wonderful. Uh, all right. Let's move on to topic number two. Underbelly Hospitality closed GJ Tavern, its restaurant downtown. In the press release announcing the closure, it cited the difficulty of operating a relatively small 40-seat restaurant in a luxury high-rise tower. And unfortunately, since they did not have a position for him, they also laid off Chef Tim Redding, who they had recruited to run that restaurant. Uh, Homer, let me just let me just get your quick hit thoughts on on the decision to close GJ Tavern and, and kind of what that says about maybe the state of uh, restaurants downtown. I don't know if it reflects the state of restaurants downtown. I think it might reflect more on the the choices that they made in that place in that one, they used the same name as a steakhouse and just called it a tavern and people expected a steakhouse experience Two, it was only a few tables in there. So the people who wanted to get in there initially couldn't three, you know, it had a limited menu and people didn't understand exactly what tavern food was and what they were going for with that. Um, and then four, it, there's no parking. It's like, uh, you know, it's the sort of hotel. It's the, you know, valet driving experience that you have to have there. And, you know, Houston is very much a car culture. And, I, you know, I think all of those add up to a, a lot to overcome. Yeah, no, I, I think all of that is well said, right? Obviously, it opened initially as Georgia James Tavern, which created some confusion between it and Georgia James, the the steakhouse. They sort of exacerbated that by having some overlap, uh, like you could get the the wedge salad from Georgia James Steakhouse at GJ at Georgia James Tavern in the beginning. And they rebooted it about a year ago when they brought in when they brought in Tim. They put in a new menu. I know you know initially they had trouble kind of finding the right the right chef to run it. There was a, a brief period of time when Nick Wong was there after he left or after uh, UB Preserve closed. That that really wasn't a fit. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think your points are well made, right? I think we don't have a lot of, of taverns per se, right? These kind of, you know, drink forward, or at least not not that are branded as such, uh, you know, restaurants with like that are really more about like sitting at the bar and, and having a burger or a sandwich. And then, yeah, it just it just never, you know, the in, in the rebranding and the shuffling and the the, you know. It just didn't. It just didn't make sense for Underbelly Hospitality anymore because their their future really is uh, kind of in in their three locations, right? They have uh, two restaurants at Autry Park, or excuse me, two restaurants at Regent Square, Georgia James, and now Pastore. Uh, two restaurants at the Houston Farmers Market, uh, Wild Oats, and Underbelly Burger, and then they're working in Spring Branch to open two more, right? And a second location of Wild Oats and a second Underbelly Burger, and and that's kind of their future. And and you know this little one-off that's you know sort of tied by its name to the steakhouse but not by its menu and not by its environment or its experience it just it just didn't make sense anymore i concur i mean like i said it's just uh, i i don't see it as a big statement on a lot you know on the downtown dining scene um i can reflect that it is problematic for the re- issues you know for the reasons we just stated you have a when you have a small amount of table coverage you're, you're having to do three turns a night, uh, you know, most nights, depending, you know, that 
that's hard without a lot of foot traffic. And even though we have a downtown area, uh, it's, there's not lots of foot traffic for at least four or five months out of the year because of the weather. Right. I mean, the, the real bummer of this is that under under Tim, Tav, GJ Tavern had kind of become kind of a, a cool little bistro with like a great roast chicken and a mushroom Swiss burger and, and some other dishes that I really liked, you know, and, and say six months or, you know, rough call it, call it six, nine months ago, it was open and, and kind of exciting. And then uh, Cafe Louis opened and was doing kind of their version with a similar menu. And that was kind of exciting. Now they're both gone. And I, I, you know, I had this riff on, you know, the rise of properly roast chicken is like becoming a trend in Houston and, and the, the two places that I would have been quick to cite as evidence, uh, both failed. So I guess my, my dreams of, of finding a, that kind of casual classic fare, intimate environment, good drinks, fun wine list, you know, I guess I'm going to have to keep looking for whatever the next version of that is. Yeah, that's that's a pretty that's that's a pretty classic style. And uh, it, yes, it already exists, and yes, we'll see more of it. Uh, it's just as as our good friend Linda would say, it's like know your environment, know your neighborhood. Right. All right. Just briefly, topic number three. I want to note that we have had three ice cream shops open in the last couple of weeks. They are Jenny's Splendid Ice Cream, which opened its third Houston area location on Westheimer near uh, Dunleavy. Milk and Sugar, the Montrose favorite, opened its new location in the Heights on North Shepherd Drive. And finally, Lick from Austin, Lick Lick Honest Ice Creams, opened its first Houston area location on the border of Bel Air and Southside Place on, uh, on Holcomb Drive. And they have a location in the Autry Park mixed-use development that should open in the next month or so. Uh, Michael, I know you're a Milk and Sugar fan. Do you have any thoughts on on all of this? All of this new ice cream that's helping us cool off during this hot, hot summer. It, man, the amount of like high end and quality ice cream we have now in Houston is fantastic. And there obviously seems to be room for more. You know, I had gone up to Jenny's several times in the Heights and loved it. Get their pints. I did go by the new location. It's it's incredibly bright there at night. Like it's very well lit. And it has, a, has their basic flavors. It doesn't have as many flavors yet as the Heights. And we'll see how that goes. I'm excited for Milk and Sugar to see them expand. I love to see them get successful because I love what they do, uh, and they're wonderful people. Lick, I do not know. I've never been to. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the name. They might as well called it Moist. That's it's a little bit awkward in my word in my my purview. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's that's not for me to decide for other people. But it does feel a little weird saying that. So that's my take. <laughs> um. That's hilarious. Uh, I mean, I will say I, I swung by the new lick because uh, I was I was in that neighborhood last week and they were in their kind of soft opening mode. I, I mean, there was a lot to like uh, in terms of the flavors. It's it's good ingredients. It's it's, you know, a lot of it's sourced from Texas. A lot of it's sourced from, you know, family farms for their for their dairy. And so there's a there's a lot to like about it. I thought. Like I thought the coffee flavor was really dynamic. They were doing a, a peach thing for summer that I really liked. Texture-wise, it was a little bit thin. And maybe that's just because I'm I'm so used to eating, you know, milk and sugar underground creamery, whatever that's so rich. But I thought it was just a little bit icy as where, opposed where to creamy. It? Where is it located again? So it is on it's Bel Air, it's Bel Air Boulevard near Stella Link. I think it's near like where Molina's is. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. In that in that shopping center, so 
it's it's right next to Polly's Po Boys, if that does anything for anybody. But it was, you know, it's it's a convenient, you know, it's a it's a kind of big strip center, plenty of parking. You know, I got right in and right out. Uh, the staff was super friendly. I like the ice cream that I tried, and and that obviously that Autry Park location is going to be a monster with so many restaurants opening in there, and then they've they've got another one way down the road for East River, which is the the big midway development on the bayou in the Fifth Ward. So that's that's probably not until next year, but but we'll have we'll go from zero licks to two here in about the next. Uh, oh my god! Weeks. Just hearing you say it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, and then the very rare topic number four. Michael, you and your business partner, Chris Reed, have an event coming up this weekend. So what do you have going on at St. Arnold on Sunday? Okay, so we did something called the Tex-Mex Barbecue Block Party several years ago. Uh, Just trying out a new event. We didn't know how it would go, and it was just great. We had a great time really embracing the the Tex-Mex barbecue culture. uh, And the food was fantastic, and everyone really enjoyed it. So we're bringing that back. So that's this Sunday. We're at St. Arnold's from 1 to 4 p.m. You know, tickets are not at the door. You have to do them pre-sale. And that's as much barbecue, as many samples as you want from the 13 to 14 places that'll be there. Plus, you'll have uh, complimentary beverages from the St. Arnold's people. And yes, that's indoor and air conditioned. And you can find those tickets at HOUBBQ.com. That's HOUBBQ.com. How much are the tickets? Um, they are $70. And like I said, that gets you as much as many samples as you want from all of these places, as well as beverages included. There will be desserts from Fluff Bake Bar available, but that will be extra. Yeah, I always I always like a little something sweet after all that salt. Absolutely. All right. Uh, that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Michael, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about the Pho Fix. This is a restaurant that started in the underground food hall downtown. They just opened their first brick and mortar location in the Stomping Grounds development. We've talked about Stomping Grounds quite a bit because it's where uh, Lulu's Day and Night is, the the fast casual concept from Blood Brothers Barbecue. It's the second location of Bolo Pizza, Hamari, the latest uh, sushi concept from the Kokoro guys. Fat Cat Creamery is there. Cherry Block was briefly there, now going to be La Mexicana. So a lot going on at the Stomping Grounds, uh, including the Fuff Fix. So so let me just ask you, what did you what did you think of our our noodle soup experience? Man, the pho was delicious. The broth had great depth of flavor. It had been clarified, you know, nicely, so it was clear. It was really easy to order. I did the, you know, build my own, you know, some beef round and some fatty brisket uh i threw some shrimp in mine but you know you can also get things like beef meatballs and you know oxtails it was just it was just really good and very satisfying you know and soup is one of those just satisfying experiences and i'd never you know having pho early like as a breakfast was something that and we talked about this before you know it, it was a new experience for me coming to texas to do that but man it's so it's wonderful and uh like you know, the litmus test or the barometer we have for restaurants often is like, you know, we got through re- really quickly and, and it was uh, brought to our table. 
they do have sriracha in their restaurant. Uh, just so you know, no, do not take it. Um, <laughs> I, I tried the, uh, I think it was the pho dip sandwich. So they're kind of idea of a Vietnamese, you know, burrito kind of thing. I yeah, was somewhere, in... somewhere between a, a banh mi and like a French dip. Right. Exactly. And it, yeah, it still needs a little work more like I liked I liked the 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 brisket and the bone marrow butter they had in it like the 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 structure of it, the interior of it the bread still needs some work and I think and that's a hopefully an easy fix so like would I go back and try it again if they changed the bread I would yeah it needs it needs crispier more traditional banh mi bread that that would kind of take that sandwich places I think yeah even like they call it a faux dip but like I still have that expectation so I I agree with you on that Right. And then, I, you know, just to build on on what you said, you know, I like I like the build your own concept. I like that it kind of comes with with all the vegetables. Uh, and, I, and I like that you can get a little bit luxurious with it. If you want to add bone marrow or a beef rib, you know, that's available. This is a restaurant that had kind of a viral moment uh, a year or two ago when when YouTuber Mike Chen came and said it was some of the best pho he's ever had. And they've been kind of writing that that wave of popularity at underground and, and kind of to this new level of growth. So it's, it's nice to see them evolving. And, and I, you know, I agree with you. The, the broth is super clean. It's well-spiced. It doesn't need like a lot of doctoring. I mean, I gave it a squirt of lime, just more at habit than out of necessity. You know, the noodles were nicely cooked. They were al dente. It was, it was just a very delicious bowl of soup. And, and, you know, even the, even the spring rolls were good, right? The spring rolls have have a little spring of that were uh, delicious. That brisket in them. I mean, they're that's a clever twist, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, with the bone, you know, with my bone marrow add on uh, that costs like five bucks, it made for like a seventeen dollar bowl of pho, which is uh, not an inexpensive bowl of soup, but but so hearty and so tasty, and I, I was basically full for the rest of the day, so I was happy with my choice. You make a good point in that, like, I think I added some hoisin, a little bit of sriracha. I did the lime. It really didn't need it. It was really well self-contained within its own right. Like, hearing you say that, I realized I kind of did it out of habit, too. Uh, it, it was a solid bowl of pho. And the spring rolls, we've all had those spring rolls that, like, clearly are two to three days old. You know, the wrap gets kind of gummy and sticks to your teeth, and you feel like you have to floss between bites you know, and maybe the shrimp is a little rubbery, but this all tasted like it had been made, you know, practically to order. It was so good and fresh and, and and crisp and flavorful, and the texture was all there. Really solid. Right. And then I should note that Houston Restaurant Weeks has put their menus for 2023 on their website. You know, I thought I thought maybe if you had a chance, you could take a look. Did you see anything that caught your eye on the uh, Houston Restaurant Weeks list we can recommend people? It's usually a it's a big ass list. I, I think one of the best things for it is that their website has gotten more updated and more user friendly. It's really yes, it's good. It's an like, all new website. They're very they're they're very proud of it. And, and rightfully so. You know, like it, it's the whole idea of like when you say, well, where we're gonna go somewhere, you can punch in neighborhood, you can punch in how much you want to pay, you can go by cuisine. Uh, you can even go by zip code and it'll take you right to the menu. So there's all these different ways to search. You know, we've all gotten pretty good at using search engines. And, you know, so it we all come from different motivations on, on how we want to dine and where we want to dine and why. And this kind of this website really kind of addresses a lot of those motivations. And so 
they make it just incredibly easy for people to embrace this month long or really five week long event, uh, which really heavily benefits the Houston Food Bank. Uh, and so that's, you know, it just, that's a beautiful thing, as well as, you know, your neighborhood restaurant. You know, uh, I, I know speaking from as a restaurant person, you, some places you see where, you know, they fill up with people and then those people who do restaurant week, you're never going to see them again. That's not always true. It depends on where they're going and why they're going there. So it depends on the restaurant itself. So it really does benefit the restaurants overall. Uh, and uh, you, know, you can uh, notch that little, you know, hey, you're contributing to the food bank. So your chances of going to heaven have increased. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, there were there were a couple of places that I kind of wanted to call attention to. I thought uh, Dinette, you know, we've talked we've talked about Dinette some on the show, maybe not recently, but, you know, kind of a modern Vietnamese restaurant in the style of, you know, maybe like a Sin Chow or a Blind Goat uh, kind of doing their thing. Uh, they're doing the, they're doing the $39 menu, which is the cheaper dinner menu. And they give you three savory courses. So for people who, you know, aren't a dessert, you know, if you're not a dessert person, you know, I always thought the, I always think the, the three savory courses thing is, is kind of fun. And then, uh, you know, something else, uh, another one that caught my eye, of course, is, is Mimo. We've talked about, uh, Mimo quite a bit, you know, they're doing the $25 lunch. You get a sandwich plus a couple other courses dinner you know they've got a, a 10 you know it's four courses instead of three uh you get a pasta course you get a premi and secundi so you can get uh you know a little pasta a little steak if that's your if that's your flavor and then i i was very very excited to see hamsa there and and you get a good version of hamsa you know 55 55 bucks for dinner for one at hamsa is a pretty good deal uh especially when you can get hummus and falafel and a skewer uh and a fourth course of dessert so i i think uh a lot to like about about some of these HRW menus. I know I'll uh, I'll I'll definitely hit a couple of them uh, over the course of the month of August, and that, and that's to say nothing of all the the staples, you know, Hugo's, Brennan's, B and B Butchers, all all of those kind of places that are always super popular. I hope they do well. I mean, we we we've come out of COVID now, uh, and, and it was really kind of they really kind of got the one two punch with the passing of Cleverly and then COVID hitting it, and so. You know, I'm emboldened to see that 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 they've come through and uh, they've paid attention to important things like the website. Uh, they've brought in, you know, new restaurants that have opened and brought them into the fold. So uh, I hope they're successful. Absolutely. All right, Michael, I'm going to say that does it for the restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. That does it for today's show. Join me on Thursday when my guest will be Terrence Gallivan of Elro Pizza and Crew.